Welcome to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation. Welcome to this month's GPS Training Podcast. It's our 41st episode. I hope you've all had a good month. And this month we have a special guest. I have a special guest whose name is Chris Howard. Chris is just about to set out on a walking the UK mainland coast, or the coastline rather, of mainland Britain, a mere 11,000 miles. So welcome, Chris, to this month's GPS Training Podcast. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. No, it's not a problem. My first quick question, my first quick question, my first question to you, Chris, is why? Why are you thinking and uh, embarking on walking around the, uh, the coastline of Britain? It's not what we all, but everyone can think about walking a long distance trail or walking uh, <laughs> coast to coast. But actually, when, when and how did you get to this thinking of, I think I'll walk around the coastline of Britain? There must be a story yeah. to this. Well, you ask that with a little trepidation in your voice, like most people are thinking, you know, they ask it as if to say, what they're really asking is say, are you mad? That's the kind of question <laughs> that question, actually yes, asks. Yes. Um, and the truth is, no, I'm not mad. Um, and I often think that people are mad for not doing something, you know, and then just sitting at home and working every day. But the truth is, lockdown gave me a real opportunity to think about how my children are growing up and how much um, freedom they've got and how sort of privileged they are. They're riding around the garden on their bicycles one day and it took them the whole of lockdown to really learn how to ride their bicycles but i was really amazed because when i was a kid i didn't have a garden particularly um so i would never have had that opportunity Mm -hmm. it made me start thinking about children that are less privileged or that don't have those advantages in life and then it made me think even further those children that actually have been really horrific for coming out of school and away from their friends and teachers you know and I started researching into a charity, and I, I like Children in Need as a charity, and I've done some stuff for them years ago when I was a kid, and um, they're just such a brilliant charity that it made sense, because I worked out that all the way through the pandemic and that lockdown period, they were still funding all the things that they fund, and they were still actively involved, even though they had fewer staff because of furlough scheme, etc., and they had fewer funds coming in, but still 95% or 95 pence in every pound that they were making for the charity goes directly to those causes. And it just made sense that I could do something positive out of lockdown. Do you know, when I was thinking about this last night, I sat down from my computer last night with a nice half bottle of Rioja to think of some questions to ask you. And I thought, there's, so, there's something in a person that makes them want to do this. You must have done something in the past or something's happened to you in the past. I know there's the charity side of it, that so many things I want to set out on this challenge. So is this the first challenge you've done along these lines? Is, is, is there something happened before? Is this, is this, have you just, is this a la- end of a line of, um, I'm going to say ridiculous things, but it's not ridiculous. That's patronizing. <laughs> but it's, well, it, what, what's happened yeah. before that? That's, you must have done something before because this can't be suddenly decided. I'm yeah, going to lock down. I'm going to walk around Britain's coastline because nobody normal does that. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> nobody normal. I like that. Um, I've done a few things and I think you said there is this the end of a long list of challenges if you were in my wife's shoes she would be really happy to hear that that might be the case but I don't know that it is yet (laughs) so I've previously done marathons long distance walks I've done long distance bike rides and I've been involved in organising endurance events as well Um, my longest and my probably my biggest achievement was rowing across the Atlantic 
Right. And, okay. Um, we can't just like we can't just we have to stop there. We can't just say <laughs> I rode across the Atlantic. Right. Let's row across the Atlantic. So, when did you row across the Atlantic, Chris? So it was seven years ago now, um, and then uh, since then I've had three children, two of which are six years old. They're twins, and uh, so that was a result of me rowing across the Atlantic. You know, I'd made that decision. My next adventure was a family, and. Uh, <laughs> Everything's panned out that way. <laughs> so a mere 3,000 miles. So actually 11,000 miles around the British coastline compared to 3,000 miles rowing actually seems quite achievable, really. Now the whole thing is starting to put into context, isn't it, really? Yeah. It, it, so there's a difference. The two challenges are completely different, obviously. Um, I'm going to be aiming to run, well, walk a marathon distance as a minimum every day mm -hmm. and push myself up to 30, 35 miles where I can. So it's still a physical challenge, and, and there's a mental challenge now that's different from before because I'm leaving behind my family. I'm trying to use them as motivation to push me on every day. Um, but the difference previously, so being on the ocean, I had no comms. Mm -hmm. you know, things like Zoom, for example, didn't exist, and let alone work if you're at sea. Mm -hmm. um, we had a sat phone, but unfortunately we went through various trials and tribulations and the sat phone mm -hmm. broke within the first three weeks. So after another eight weeks of us stripping that sat phone down, putting it back together, drying it out, peeling the components, etc., we finally managed to make it beep. What that meant, we didn't know. Um, well, so my wife and my family back then were incredibly worried, obviously. They had no comms with me. It was really difficult. So my wife now thinks, you know what? This is a challenge, but it's not going to be anywhere near as bad because he's still in the country. He's only over a few hours drive away. We can get him on the phone, mostly. Um, so I think the challenge this time around is literally more for me than them. Mm -hmm. So the last time we wrote, Chris, you did it with somebody else, did you? Or did you on your own? Uh, my best friend, yeah, Tom. Right, and how long did that take you then? So we'd estimated it would take us between 65 and 80 days. Uh, and it actually took 105 days due okay. to, as I say, various trials and tribulations. We only took 90 days worth of food, so at one point we were rationing for the rest of that. We've had a previous guest on the podcast who rode across the Atlantic, and it's all about getting in the Gulf Stream. Now, if you've got no communications because yeah. your sat phone's not working, how do you find where the Gulf Stream is? So, <laughs> GPS training and navigation, it's quite difficult. And back then, um, the GPS technology, it was good, but not anywhere near as advanced as it is mm. now. And, of course, we are completely solar-powered, a bit like my walk. Um, one of the trials and tribulations with our boat was that our battery compartment flooded. So we lost all GPS communication. We had no navigation systems at all, which, if you can believe this, led to us for about three weeks standing on deck all the way through the night whilst the other one was rowing with a flashlight because shipping containers would never have seen us. So we wouldn't have come up on their charts and because our CME mast wouldn't be working. Nothing was working. Uh, so it's quite frightening at, at various points but we had previously done um, astro navigation courses things like that we had our sea charts we knew roughly if we could work out where we are we could work out where we were going so and, that, and that's always key with navigation i think and, and i'm trying to apply that in zoom talks with schools around the country when i do my walk it's you know navigation in the field isn't just gps or relying on an app mm -hmm. for example whilst that's fast and it's really good when you haven't got that battery life, when you when you need to know where you're going, you really need to know where you are first. And you can apply that across so many walks of life. You know, that's a bit like saying, okay, what am I going to do with my GCSEs? Well, I know what they've told me I'm going to do, but I don't really know what I want to do the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And you know what? 
I've done GCSEs, I've been to university because I was told to do those things and this is where I should be and where I'm heading. But I still don't really know where I want to be or where I'm going. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you're saying about navigation because something we talk about a bit, and actually a previous guest was very much, that we were all kind of like, let's have everything in one device. And he was saying, no, actually, we need multiple devices. No, navigation is a GPS, it's a map, it's a mobile phone, it is all these different devices. As you were just saying, then when your sat phone went down, well, actually, you were scuffered. Actually, what is that backup? And, and we kind of, oh, let's be light, let's be all on one device. But actually, multiple devices gives you rigidity, security, if, if things go wrong, don't they? Yeah. So the first thing we managed to do was work out on our sea chart roughly where we were in relation to a shipping lane. Mm -hmm. And we managed to get into that shipping lane. Now, dangerous territory, right? Because we're tiny. But what that meant was any passing ship or any ship on the horizon that we could see, we would be able to flag or flash a light out or a mirror, however we could do it. We hadn't considered ourselves in immediate danger. We didn't consider ourselves in a sheer state of desperation, even though several of the ships that found us did. But what that enabled us to do was, with a sea surveying ship, get a message back to our families via their comms so that they knew we were all safe. And another ship then stopped, rigged up a pulley system to our ship, which was, looking back, incredibly dangerous. But they managed to send down a load of supplies and part of those supplies was an epoxy resin kit and uh, it was from their engine rooms and they said look you if you can find the source of the leak and you can plug it this will work you know you might be able to dry batteries out the gel batteries so they should become back online and stuff so we spent then two days of consolidation and trying to figure things out everything was on deck pretty handy actually because just out of the shipping lane we hit the doldrums and we just couldn't go anywhere so we spent that time consolidating fixing that leak Batteries came back online about a week later, GPS straight up, brilliant. Now we had comms, we had sat, we had navigation, and we had lights, more importantly. So we knew where we were, and we knew we could keep going. Mm -hmm. Right, and we did it. We completed it, did we? No problems. Well, other than that, so we, we did, well, you did. I didn't do anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. this is so, seven uh, years ago. So let's go, so seven years ago, you rode across the Atlantic, have we, and then you had a family. That must be the most challenging thing anyway, Chris, I think, having a family is more challenging. Well, the challenging thing about that is we had twins, you know? Oh, well. <laughs> so it was like... <laughs> I can understand the challenges, personally. I can understand those challenges. And then... Is this the first challenge after the Atlantic, or have you done anything? I said you do quite a bit of long-distance running and walking, do you? Yeah, so I did the Paris Marathon. I don't think it was last year. It was the year before, uh, and that was when Notre Dame burnt down. So I did the marathon. I went back to my hotel room, found it very difficult to walk downstairs afterwards, and then had some food with some friends, and then we literally got the first train out at quarter to six in the morning. Mm -hmm. And by the time I got to London... My new my phone turned back on and these news flashes were coming up with Notre Dame burnt down and I, I was amazed because I'd literally been there the day before and I'd run past it and we'd had lunch outside it the day before that and yeah so so that was the last marathon I did uh, before that I'd cycled from Paris to Cambridge in one go so I did that with six friends we didn't have a support vehicle we just took um, some food backpacks water. And I think it took us 36 hours. That's pretty good going. pretty rough going, but mm -hmm. nice to have completed it. Mm -hmm. And then 
the, the current challenge ahead. So let's just try and get our head around what you're hoping to do. So you're starting on Saturday, so people don't, it's what, it's Wednesday today, it's, it's Wednesday, you start on the 25th of July. When this comes out, it's actually gonna be the start of August, so you're gonna be underway. So you're starting on Saturday, the 25th of August, where, sorry, 25th of July. Where, whereabouts are you starting from, Chris? So I'm actually starting on the Sunday, which is the 26th. Okay. On the Saturday, I'm doing a live Q&A on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, because my daughter's school have been really supportive and they want to be involved uh, and all the children from the school and their parents wanted to know a bit more about it so that I held this q and I'm going to do that with them and then I'm going to hold Zoom talks on the way around with their school and various others. But we're starting on the 26th at about 10am and we're leaving from Heacham Beach in Norfolk. And which way are you going? Clockwise, anti-clockwise? I'm going clockwise for the reason that if I was to go anti-clockwise I'd probably get to Scotland in the dead of winter. Okay. So in theory, I'm hoping that I get to Wales. Well, I'm hoping I get to somewhere near St. David's by Christmas. And then hopefully then I should get into northwest coast of Scotland by early spring. Okay, so you do the flat bit first, are you then? Flat bit first, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Head downwards. And you said you're going to hopefully do a, a marathon distance each day. So you're aiming to do 20 to 30 miles or something like that, are you? That's right, yeah. There's a few days where I know I'm going to have to stop and consolidate. You know, I've still got to do the mundane things like laundry, for example, but I'm I'm pretty well capable of putting up with my own body smell for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a month or more. But um, I don't know where I'm going to get a shower or where I'm going to get the chance to wash my clothes and things like that. But people have been very kind and offered me places to stay or places to eat and things like that. Hopefully that continues as I go around. Um, but yeah, I'm, my aim is to as I say, do that minimum distance of a, of a marathon every day, so 26 miles or whatever a day. If I can push that up to 30 or over, I'd be really happy because I've effectively become the fastest person to do it. Um, and, you know, like I said before, I, I'm doing this challenge, but the reality is the faster I go, the quicker I get back to my kids. And what's, what is the record then? So what is the record for walking around the coastline of Britain? Well, it's quite difficult. And I'm waiting on an answer from that because basically several people have done it, but they've never done it in one consecutive go. And the people that have done it haven't done the full 11,000 miles. Now, I'm doing the 11,000 miles that Ordnance Survey set out and classify the route as. Lots of people do 6,500 miles or 8,000 miles. I think there was one guy that did 9,500, but I can't see anyone that's done the full 11,500 yet. There is a guy called Christian Lewis, um, who is currently, I think he's in the Outer Hebrides, but he's doing every island, not just the mainland. And I think he's been doing it for three and a half to four years now. Mm -hmm. Amazing guy. But I'm just doing the mainland. I'd love to do the islands, but I think I can do them separately at another point. So if you're doing 30 miles a day, that's really, well, 366 days, isn't it, according to my math? So it's just over a year. But as you rightly say, you need to have rest days. Things will not go as smoothly you won't be able to walk every day for a year will you will you oh well i don't know so the first my family and my wife have said you know if you do the first five days then have a two-day stop mm. and you can clean yourself and do this and have some coffee free then do that again and just really ease yourself into it and i, I kind of understand what they're saying but I, I also understand my own body of my own mind to some extent um and I'm capable of pushing myself. What I need to avoid in the beginning is risk of injury because if I do that early on, that's going to be tough. And I, and I, you know, I don't want to risk having to stop for a long period of time if at all. 
But a rest day to me seems a bit like a wasted day, and it's just going to make me stiffen up. It is, and so we've had quite a few people doing big ultra events. I was actually just talking to a good friend of mine, Paul Freeman. I've had him on a past past podcast. I saw him actually just about a week ago, ten days ago. We talked about a challenge that I'm actually doing as well. We're not going to go into that now. And he's saying the key thing is not to stop, not to stop. Yeah. And actually, when you stop. <laughs> You never get that time back. You know, it's actually, it's, it's, even if it's a day's walking or if it's a week's walking, you have a day off. You know, a day off doesn't sound a lot a week, but actually by 50, you had 52 days off in a, in a year. Do you know, so suddenly you've That's lost right. two months. And two exactly. months, so it's never doing it in 12 months, get back in 14 months. Well, actually, what a waste of for a day off. Don't get me wrong, if you're injured or something's not right or you're not well, but actually you've got to keep going. I just actually... I did, I did a walk um, week last Friday, 26 miles, and I averaged you no know, four miles an hour, 4.4 miles an hour for the first I don't know 15 miles or something. I thought I'm gonna stop for my tea. I did a day's work, then did this into the evening, and I, I stopped for I think it was eight minutes to have my dinner and get my socks changed, etc. And I just couldn't get myself back up to speed again after that. Do you know, I really yeah. struggled to get back up to speed, and actually by 18 miles I was starting to struggle. I just thought to myself that stopping for eight minutes when I've been had poles, I was going at a good pace. I never get going again. And and, and it's yeah. amazing how when you stop and you lose that momentum, suddenly you're looking at like, I know this is completely different, it's, you just lose that momentum, you never get out of here again. And I was talking to this about my friend Paul about it, and he said, you know, that, that's it. Once you stop, that's it. That's it. You, you've had it. You know, and if people are helping you, I know you're walking on your own, once people start helping you, they can, well, I'll meet you after four hours, have a cup of tea. That's 20 minutes. We can't do it. It's It's... That's, that's exactly right. And, you know, already now my days are getting shorter mm-hmm. and, and uh, not quite left. So I've got to make the most of the daylight and get, you know, get up at first light, get going, set down by the time the sun's coming down, but literally just on that cusp. I really want to make the most of that. And there are times when I fall behind on a day and I'm just going to have to think, look, just push on for another two or three miles. If I can do that, then I've made up the ground. It doesn't matter if it's dark and I set up in the dark. Um, and you're just going to have that drive to keep going. And I think the real problem with stopping is you also don't just slow your pace. You risk injury more by stopping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. That's right. So route planning, so you're doing it according to ordnance survey. So there is a designated route around the, the coast of Britain then, is there? Yeah, that's right. Um, the only thing that I'm not doing, so obviously I'm not doing the islands. Um, that includes... The little things like Sheerness and uh, at Anglesey, for example, there's one up at um, Northumberland called Holly Island. I Holly think. Island, oh, that's where we're oh, based, yeah. you know. Come on, come on, Chris. Uh, right. <laughs> there's a lighthouse there as well. There is, yeah. So Holly Island, you, you don't, yeah, you, you, it's beautiful, but you, yeah, you don't need to skirt around Holly Island. When you come through Northumberland, come and walk a section with you, Chris. We'll... That'd be great. Yeah, that'd, no, that'd be really good. Um, the only thing I'm allowing myself to do is there's a couple of inlets which are incredibly difficult to get around on foot and they're easy to get over on a foot ferry for example yes. where they exist um so there's one at tilbury that will get me over the thames estuary into um well north kent basically it's gravesend it stops but if i didn't do that i'd end up having to go all the way to swindon mm-hmm. to the end of the thames to come back on myself and i'm literally closer to wales at that point than i am anywhere else mm-hmm. so I see it as fairly senseless, and most people I've talked to that have done similar things or tried to do the route have said, yeah, don't bother. Get get the foot very across and then just carry on from North Kent round. Mm-hmm. 
And then you you said, oh, sorry, you're carrying all your kit, so you've got no support unless people will drop off kit. I don't know, the family might kit, drop kit off, but you're going to try and go self-sufficient, especially initially, I think you're going to have to, aren't you? That's right, yeah. So um, my first stop to see my family is in four weeks. They're meeting me along route just to swap out some kit. Um, and if there's anything I'd worked out in those four weeks that I actually really didn't need and I didn't want to throw away, they're going to take that off me. Or if there's something that I really needed that I didn't have, then... I've got that for the first four weeks to work that out. And they're going to meet me there. Um, and then I probably will see them again about eight weeks after that, and it will be every eight weeks mm-hmm. thereafter. Uh, they're, they're quite capable of driving out, and thankfully we've got um, we've got a VW Transport van, yep. so they can pretty well get anything in there that, that I need mm-hmm. or don't need. Um, Good. So that's all your kit. Right, let's do a bit of backtracking. So let's go back to training because we're all into this side of things. So training. So how long have you been training for? You said this idea a lot. How long have you been training for in regards to walking this distance every day? Because it's, it's a it's a significant distance you're walking. Um, yeah. It's, you're, not, you're not walking eight miles a day. You're walking 26, 30 miles potentially. It, we'll see that. Well, 20 to 30 miles, aren't you? So have you been doing lots of big big day walks then? I've done a few, but I haven't really bothered too much with training and your love. But for the reason that I think, you know, I'm fairly fit. I, I regularly run as a minimum 10 miles. Uh, but on top of that, I've done a lot of long distance walking with Kit in the past. Mm-hmm. However, the challenge for me here was that my previous long walks have been things like doing the Ridgeway, for example, or the Pedders Way or the West Highland Way and doing them over a few days. So I only ever needed to take sort of 25 to 30 litre pack. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with that. But for a year, I wasn't sure if I could whittle my kit down to that that smaller pack and be that light of weight. So that's what I've struggled with. And I've probably packed and repacked and reduced and repacked again 25 times in the last week. And I've now got my 36 litre bag down to about... I think it's 13 kilos. And that sounds like a lot to most people, but the reality is I'm capable of jogging with that on my back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can probably do that for five to eight miles comfortably before I think I need to take a break, need to sort of worry about it. So in terms of training, I've had the idea that I'm not going to waste time doing that. I'm going to focus all my energy into my route planning, thinking about the kit that I need, and just get going. <laughs> did you see the documentary a number of years ago? Eddie Izzard was he was walking. He, he did marathon after day after. Yeah, did you ma- see that? Not? Yeah, what yeah. is? I didn't truly... see all of it, but he's amazing. Because he did no training. He said, "What's the point in training? I'll just get out and do it." And his first marathon, near enough, broke him because he, yeah. he he frankly kept stopping all the time and had ice cream. So he took an ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And and but then by the end of it, he was he was whittling them off in five hours or something like that he was he, he had that yeah. same thing you know that he went to the doctors and they said that they said you're not a marathon runner he says well i know <laughs> i'm a comedian and yeah. um he he did no training because he, he he went into and he, he trained himself through and and um, succeeded what an inspirational um inspirational. But also that's part of the challenge isn't it because you know you're, you're human right and you're designed to walk and you're designed to cover long distances but the problem is we just don't do it because we're comfortable sat in our nice lovely warm sofa houses and watching tv with our wife while she feeds you massive bars of galaxy and stuff like that but but the truth is you can do it it's just about knowing you've got that drive and getting up and committing to it and if you set yourself those small targets every day you'll get there i think Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've got those big targets of Christmas and then where I'm going to be by January. But then right down here, I've got these little bite-sized chunks to just tick off, you know. So, because normally in training is when you pick up those top tips. You say, my next thing was, what top tip have you picked up by training? But if you've not done any training, we've not got any top tips, Chris. So actually, we love top tips at the GPS training podcast. We used to have, and used to have top tips, you see. So, um, like, I don't know what... I'm, I'm struggling with it. So what? Because surely, if you do training, you kind of realise actually, I'm going to put Vaseline between my toes. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm, and I know I'm going to go at this pace. But if you've not done that, how are you going to adapt over that first week or two as your body gets up? As you get up the next day and you go, ah, right, I've got chafing. I'm just being practical. Yeah, and we all get it. We all get it. Now, therefore, I need to use Vaseline at the start of each day, or, or whatever you need to do. Do you think you've got that experience from your running and your, your long distance walks? So you're going to go in with that knowledge already? Um, I think that, and on the basis that I've not just that I've read the Atlantic, but I've been a competitive rower and I've been obsessed with weight, um, not just my own, but obsessed with kit weight and the weight of a boat and the weight of a crew. And I've been a coach and having to think about those things before other people and knowing that you can only put up with something and be uncomfortable for so long but learning to listen to your body and understanding what questions in your head you need to answer yes to and no to there's always that voice you know and, and my crew say this a lot because they'll say i'm starting a 10k row and i get to 8k and i'm just i'm absolutely dead and all i can hear in my voice is my body saying i don't want to do this anymore i can't do this but in their head they hear me saying you can mm-hmm. you're almost there you can do it and I have to listen to my own voice and get there and do it. But in terms of experience, yeah, you just you end up knowing what your body is capable of and where to push it and when not to push it. So it's a fine line, but you've just really got to listen to your body and, and be and the thing about going is until you go that first week, you're just in that mindset of oh I miss my kids suddenly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I miss my wife and uh, God, it would have been nice to sit in front of the TV last night. But when you get moving and you get right into it, you, this this switch flicks in your head and it's like you're in an expedition mindset. All you're thinking about is that target for the day. There's no washing up to be done. There's no, you know, putting everybody else's laundry in the tumble dryer or whatever. You haven't got to go and cut the grass. All you've got is that one focus mm-hmm. is get there. It is. It's like any long distance trail, isn't it? But many of our listeners will do that. It's that. It's going back to basics, isn't it? It's that basic basics of eating, going to the loo, and walking, and that's that's yeah. all you're going to do. That's all you do. Get up in the and morning. And what more could you really and want? What else do you want? Yeah. And actually, you realise what a load of clutter. I nearly swore then, but I would X-ray our own podcast. All the <laughs> rubbish. You know, what I was going to say that's around us, which is totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. It really is. It's pointless. And, the, and actually, and a, it doesn't matter doesn't matter, does it? There's this whole, um, it's kind of like a reflection of mental health in a way, you know, and for me, I've been through some pretty traumatic things uh, all my life, but um, so after we're in the Atlantic and after having children, I got diagnosed with depression, not that that, this this is what this podcast is about, but um, just as a side note, lots of people go through terrible mental health problems and um, I often think it's a bit like you know, your, the way you physically live around things and the way the things that clutter your life are is a direct reflection of your mind. And as soon as you start unpacking that and realising that you can just get rid of those things, 
the depression's less there mm -hmm. because all you've got is this thing that's you and you can start moving forward mm -hmm. and, and i really like that about endurance challenges and being physical and pushing yourself you know it's as you say it's that next mile or it's the next day or the day after you know, there's yeah. tribulations, things are going to happen, but actually it's overcoming, it's just problem solving, problem solving, problem solving, isn't it? And keep yourself going. And actually, mentally, you get stronger and you will have low debt, low points and you'll have high points, won't you? And and yeah. that's what's going to make you. This is a really strange personal questions about walking long distance walking. Are you going to listen to music or podcasts or you entertain yourself or are we just going to go for the, the silent walk? Yeah, I... I... I'm punishing myself enough as it is. I'm not going to go with the silent walk. Okay, that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love music. It's a great source of um, inspiration and motivation. It's brilliant. It's also a really great distraction in terms of tempo of your legs and just, you know, you put some fast music on and you just realise you're, you're through it without even realising. Mm -hmm. um, then a wrong track will come on and it'll start being <laughs> down about things and slow down. But I actually, funnily enough, I quite listen to talk or podcast while I'm walking. So I'll be listening to a lot of comedy and things like that. I have actually got some Eddie is up um, stuff to listen to because I've been really bad and not kept up to date with the comedy stuff he's done. So I've got some of that. Um, I probably, I think I've subscribed to this, but if I haven't, I should subscribe. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have. <laughs> You're the one who's not. There you are, Chris. Hey, hey. <laughs> and are you going to walk with poles or no poles? I'm not taking poles. Right. Um, for the reason that where I'm starting from, and most of that sort of, that Norfolk coast coming into the East Coast and Suffolk, then along South End and Essex, then North Kent, it's pretty straightforward. The mm -hmm. terrain's pretty good. It's not a lot to worry about, really. Um, poles, possibly Cornwall, I don't really know. But most of the Cornish coast I've walked before, and I think it's relatively straightforward. I know there are some pretty horrific inclines, mm -hmm. but I want to take each day as it comes. And you know what? It's not like being in the Arctic or being on the Atlantic. I can pop into Cotswolds or I can pop into whichever store there is there are many available um, <laughs> and then um, pick up poles if needed or mm -hmm. someone might donate i don't know mm -hmm. but i don't i don't i'm not going to start with them certainly mm -hmm. walking boots or walking trainers a mixture i have i suppose you will uh, wear a number you you will wear them out will you i would think yeah surely so yeah i think um the guy one of the guys i spoke to who did half he got to scotland and had to stop because he had a compound fracture and then he just couldn't continue his leg wasn't up to it and i think he then did the rest of scotland with his wife in the car but um he switched out shoes just on route he um he bought them in shops and just did that replaced them like for like or whatever but he went through six pairs right which i find quite a few but um i've got a really nice couple of pairs of boots, one fabric Gore-Tex, one leather Gore-Tex lined. Um, I'm going to save the leather ones until I get further into winter, um, mainly because they're Gore-Tex lines, but they also have lambs wool in the bottom. Um, I'm starting out with some really nice lightweight shoes, but they're, they're still quite supportive. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I'm, I'm only starting out with them because the weather's pretty fair at the moment. And I don't, and again, because the terrain is pretty straightforward and flat. But I suppose these are things that you would swap over that four weekly meetup, eight weekly meetup. You don't only carry all your boots with you, are you? So it's kind of thing like. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I'll do a kit exchange every time I get a supply drop or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what that also means is um, the, the new boots or the new shoes that I have already, every time I meet up with someone, I'll wear them for that day that I've met up with them to break them in a little bit. And then I'll switch back to the ones I was using so that every time I've done that, come 12 weeks, 13, 14 weeks down the line or whatever, they're broken in a bit and mm -hmm. I'm not just going into a fresh pair of boots. I'd say I'm just thinking now. I, I'm terrible at remembering things. Have you seen the Have you seen the film or read the book about the lady who walked the length of America? Have you or not? This is I can't remember what it was called now. Have you I haven't actually. Yeah, I'm gonna email you at the end of the podcast. I'm gonna email you a link. It's a very good ebook. Is it an ebook? It'd be an ebook. So you can listen to it on Audible or something as you're walking. It's about a lady who um, has had all sorts of traumas in her life as she ended up leaving a marriage and this kind of thing. And she set off on this this long distance trails which went from Mexico to Canada. Um, and it's this and it's her tribulations and 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 uh, it's it's they made it into film. Film's never as good as the um, as the uh, the book. But it was absolutely brilliant. I'll um, I'll send you a link to it and it's it's quite inspirational. It's when you talk about the pack earlier on it marrying with her because actually she couldn't pick a pack up you know it was so heavy because she packed everything mm. she got all this kit and she couldn't pick it up and mm -hmm. um it's it's a fantastic uh inspirational story all things went wrong no lots of things and though it, she got boxes posted out at various locations um yeah it was so remote and um it's a really interesting book yeah about this uh so I'll, I'll send well, you that's, that's interesting because there's two things i want to say about that there's um there's a woman i don't know if you've ever seen a documentary called running for good i've not seen that no and um it's really great i think it's on netflix or prime or something like that um her name's fiona oaks and she early on in life had a i think she had a condition that meant she couldn't walk she was in a wheelchair and after years of struggling she managed to get back walking and then started running and she's actually a world record holder she's won loads of titles really amazing runner i mean she runs american in the morning then goes and looks after her animals at her pet sanctuary in the in the day and then she'll go and run a marathon in the evening mm -hmm. now i think she's the first woman to complete the marathon de Saab in the sahara and i think she was the fastest woman and she's i think she still is the fastest woman to have ever done and it's an amazing documentary about her life and her journey. And um, she's also a vegan. But what's interesting about that is in, in the documentary, it talks about her being interviewed by the BBC and various other um, journalist bodies. And they didn't want her to promote any of that or talk about any of it. Mm -hmm. And she mm -hmm. found that really difficult because mm -hmm. it was one thing that meant a lot to her, you know. And, and so I, I, th I think I got a lot from that documentary. On the food parcels thing... Um, I have, I probably can't mention it, but I have a food sponsor. Right, no, you can mention sponsors, don't mm. you worry about it. No, we can, right. you can plug anything um, you want, Chris, don't worry about it. I'm the editor, uh, I'm and the, uh, I do everything, so don't worry about it, you can say whatever you want. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so this particular sponsor, um, I've got a couple, but um, this particular sponsor is amazing, they just came out of the woodwork and spoke to me and said, um, they're called the British Corner Shop. Mm-hmm. And they do food parcels and they send things out. You can buy stuff off their website. But the idea is they can send food parcels anywhere in the country. It's all British produce uh, and it's all brand stuff. So it's amazing things. And I'm really looking forward to getting my first parcel from them. And they're going to be sending one a month to wherever I am. 
And what I'll have to do is give them a postcode of the post office or a place I'm staying at ahead of where I am. And they'll send it out two days or so in advance. And it's really good for that reason, because they can send it literally within two days notice and it'll be mm-hmm. in the place where I need it to be. Anywhere in the country. And um, they're going to do surprise meals and things like that. I think they're going to send me a Christmas present parcel, which is going to be a bit creative. I don't know what they're sending. Possibly a mystery parcel. I don't know. But um, yeah, they're really good. And so that's that. That's going to really help me in terms of my food rations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so much in it, really. So you got the, um, you're going to be wild camping. I see you've got a tent, haven't you? So I think you've got a uh, tent that you're going to carry with you. Are you going to pitch that every uh, night or are we going to just sleep under the stars on nice nights or are we not chosen? I'm going to do a mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, I love sleeping in my bivvy bag, but, you know, my bivvy bag is an old Army Gore-Tex DPM one, mm-hmm. which um, it doesn't have a fully enclosed hoop or anything like that. It's literally your face is out. I'm quite happy with that. Not a lot of people are happy with that or comfortable with it, but I'm going to do a mixture. If it's a really fine evening, I'll just roll that out and sleep in it. I'm quite happy. In slightly windier or colder conditions or rain, I'm going to get my tent out. Mm-hmm. It's really small, lightweight tent. It's um, don't know if you know it. It's a Terranova Compact Laser Two, and it's the two man, not the one man, for the reason that it's a hundred grams difference, which is nothing. But you get that extra space to get your kit in, and and uh, yeah, it, it's an amazing bit of kit actually. I've watched all your YouTube, Chris. Don't worry, I watch all your YouTube videos in my research for this interview. So if Did people don't, really? of course, they're not they're... very good, aren't they? <laughs> very <laughs> fascinating, actually. Yeah, no, it's good. People, I'll put links into the show notes. But Chris has done little videos of his waterproof gear and his and his cooker and um, all sorts of stuff. Your water purifier was a fascinating one that worked really, really well. And your tent and things. So um, I'll put links into your YouTube channel because there are some videos there. Uh, I was quite. I'm quite interested to see see what the kit was because again we're all kit guys. No, that's what we're about. And and it'd be interesting to speak to you either during the walk or after the walk to kind of see because it will evolve. It's an evolving thing, isn't it? Saying so actually that 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 did work or that didn't work. I found that I didn't need a tent or stay in my tent every night because actually privacy or whatever. Absolutely. So it's, it's you're going to learn and you can come back with a lot more wisdom that we can then. My idea is you can then pass that on to us and we can all get something from it, you see. But I'll, I'll put the links into the YouTube. For yeah, that's right. Good, yeah, in terms of the kit as well, I think, you know, I have probably got a couple of bits of kit uh, I'm going to end up finding pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I say, I've tried to whittle it down to as little as possible. But there again, I just uh, it is one of those things that a year-long journey, if you don't learn something, then it wasn't worth going. Mm. <laughs> <No>. mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, of course, your GPS unit. So you're using a Garmin GPS Map 64S, aren't you? So you've got that. I am. That's how we yes. originally spoke. Chris got in touch with me and said, I'm doing this. And I went, all right. And in my usual, takes three days to get back to anybody. I did actually give you a call. <laughs> He's laughing because he knows me so well. By, uh, uh, my lack of responding to you, Chris. So <laughs> Sorry about <laughs> Well, but on the flip side of that, you know, there's me who's just spent the last four weeks planning a walk or whatever, and uh, I'm emailing people and then reminding myself to email them again and then ringing them or trying, because for me, it's like, this is happening. Yeah. I need to get there and get it done. For everybody else, it's like, 
it'd be nice to be part of that. Maybe I'll email again later, or you know, <laughs> we'll catch up. And... Well, I only ring you back to see how you sound if you come on the podcast, and all. that's why that was your informal interview. It was when I when people email me <laughs> things, the first thing is ring them up, and then I'm going to go, mm, ah, they won't sound very good on the podcast, or they sound good. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll help them because actually I think there's something in it for everybody here. So I mean, uh, that that makes me feel good because I hate the sound of my own voice, and yeah. I was on BBC Breakfast Show this morning, and so were my family and it was i just hate listening back to things like that you know <laughs> it's funny because I, I i'm gonna be careful what i say but i do ring a lot of people up without them realizing why i'm ringing them up if i see someone that comes with separate knowledge or something that's different even if it's a problem i'll often ring them up just to think i wonder if they if they, if they know as much as they do they'd be a really good person on the podcast so i often will yeah. ring them up have a chat with them and then i can say what i think nah, i don't i don't like <laughs> I couldn't listen to them for three quarters of an hour. It sounds really horrible. Or, yeah, they sound like a really good person to have on. And I thought, oh, this Chris, he's got, got enthusiasm. He's got, yeah, you sound good. You came over well. I thought, that'd be perfect to have. And to be honest, it's, it is, what you're doing is extreme. And that's the reality of it. There's no hiding behind that. So actually to follow you on that journey would is, is epic. To be a part of that is epic. And I'm not just saying that is epic. Like it'd be really good. So much oh, so that actually we'll we'll keep an eye on you and we will I will physically come and yeah, I'm happy to walk sections with you. And I know how you keep walking, we can do some walking and talking for future podcasts or something like that. We can keep that, an that'd eye be on amazing. It'd be yeah. really good that we can do that. We can we can walk and talk in some some podcasts I've done some walk and talking. It'd be brilliant to kind of meet up with you, you no know, certain times of the year and um and yeah hey how are you going and what I, i'm interested in that journey that learning journey because i say there's somebody myself who does a lot of long distance walks actually i've i've learned a lot and I, I find that really when i hear you say oh i don't i've not i don't i don't know my top tips i could tell you my top tips bang 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 that i've learned from doing it and actually i'm interested to hear you learn those or or, or understand those and actually you go i'm yeah. never gonna walk without poles again i can't believe i did two weeks without it or <laughs> i'm gonna change my socks five times a day or i'm using six tubs of vaseline a week or something like that that's what i because you will because you're going to become obsessive because you yeah. have to become obsessive about it don't you? We do. yeah absolutely and it, i don't know i think the thing is yeah because i do change my socks more regularly than other people that i walk with it's almost like every time you sit down for a quick drink or grab a snack, I just change my socks, just make mm-hmm. a habit of it, you know. It doesn't take long, but it gets your feet out in the air nice and quickly. Nice pair of dry socks. I think that makes a huge difference. Um, I think one of the tips that I have that someone mentioned to me the other day, a friend was watching me pack and repack my bag, and they said, uh, well, why have you got gaffer tape around your gas canister? And I said, well, I don't want to take a whole lot of gaffer tape. He said, well, what, what if you run out? And I said, well, but I won't. But I've wrapped my, I've wrapped, I don't know, three or four mm-hmm. wines of gaffer tape around my gas canister. And he said, but I don't understand. And I said, well, if I took a whole roll of gaffer tape, it takes up this much room mm-hmm. in my bag. Whereas if I wind it around something that's already there, it takes up this much room. Mm-hmm. And it also keeps my hands from freezing every time I pick up my gas canister, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> little insulated um, One of the tips, though, it's actually from you, because in the beginning, when we first had a conversation about the GPS unit, uh, so we, we just touched on that, but we didn't really go into it. Um, I was still looking at this and thinking, oh, well, you know, Ordnance Service said they'd give me a load of maps, and, and I, I'm very aware how heavy maps are, and I'm quite a competent map reader. But you said, 
you don't want if you're if you're covering twenty to thirty miles a day and you want to be getting on the move and keep going, you don't want to be getting a map out every twenty minutes and having a look at it or whatever. Just have it on your GPS and looking at it there. It's right there next to you. Just keep going whilst you're using it. And that is so true. You know, that's the difference between any sort of rowing and uh, and running challenges that I've done as well. Is that with the rowing, you kind of have your GPS screen and it's fixed and you can look at it whenever you want. But you're on deck. You don't have to hold it. With running, I never really used GPS because the route's already determined and you just have to sort of memorize it and do it. With the walk, I, there are points where it's not as easy just to keep the sea on your left. Mm-hmm. You need to know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And actually using that GPS is going to be so much quicker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And have you planned the route or not? I know we discussed that briefly. Have you planned the route on Garmin Base Campus or the route planning software, have you? It's not a loaded question, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I haven't planned it fully yet. But um, it's, it's such the, a big ordeal. To be honest, the, the ordeal of that is a massive task. No, it's, it's easy. Have you planned it? Well, planning eleven thousand miles is just. It's just. It's, it's just. Yeah. I'm not saying impossible. It's. It's just very very hard, isn't it? It really is, but it's also because there are variables in the amount of people that have said, well, you could stay with us this night, or mm-hmm. we could feed you at that point. You know, those differences in distances are going to have an effect. Um, and because I haven't fully got all of those details in line, and I'm keeping things as flexible as possible, because as much as it's kind that I'm getting those offers, it's also finding a way of telling people that I really appreciate what you've given me and what you're saying. But I would have only done two miles if I take you up on the offer, mm-hmm. and I need to have done another twenty-eight miles that day. Mm-hmm. So thank you, but I've got to push on to the person down yeah. the road, or just be on my own, you know. And, and that's really difficult. I think that's really in life. You sometimes just have to be selfish for your own achievements. In, in a nice way, you're doing it for a good cause. But actually, as you rightly say, you can't suddenly I'll come and walk a section with you, and you're walking someone who's walking at one mile an hour, and suddenly I, I need to cover thirty miles today. This is not going to work. The physical reality of it, yeah. and you need to say politely say I'm really sorry, but I need to be walking at two and a half, three miles an hour, and I've still got a ten day walk, and that's that's the way. Because, but you will, you know, over time, you you will. Well, you have to. There's no two ways about it because you're not going to sacrifice days away from your family because actually the greatest respect somebody wants to walk with you at one and a half miles an hour and, and you can say, well, actually, this is going to take me twice as long as it should do. So I'm, I'm not going to see my family for an extra two weeks, which is your initial um, inspiration, really, to get 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 there and get back to them, isn't it? I've lost you. So. Oh, I lost you for a second then. Um. Yeah, I was just talking about it's kind of being a little bit selfish to keep yourself going is what you need uh, and and that strength will come with experience as you as you walked day after day isn't it really yeah exactly and you know i have got a lot of friends that want to come out and meet me and, and walk with me and actually one of the things that does sound interesting and i don't know how i'm going to feel about it at the time is my friend who i run with is going to come and meet me and his wife's going to drive along and go up ahead with my pack mm-hmm. and i'm going to run with my friend yeah so we might do that marathon distance a couple of times, and that might feel really good. But mm-hmm. what it also might feel like is awful, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm not going to know that until I do it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weighing up whether that risk is worth it in terms of could I then injure myself or should I just carry on and stay the course at that steady pace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, 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 it's hard because I'm going to miss running all the time. You know, I run four or five times a week, which isn't that much by most people's standard of running. But it's enough if you're doing 10 miles every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I am going to miss that, especially what it gives me 
as a focus, but it just is that shift in perspective. My new focus is this, yeah. and it's only for this long, and that only this long is a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's about how you um, rationalize things in your own head, isn't it, to get it done? It is, it is. So then, let's summarize things. So we're starting on Saturday, um, and then you're yeah, walking every day, hopefully. How can people find out more about what you're doing? And also, I know it looks like we can track you online as well. You've got a website, Facebook page. Um, yeah. If you get stuck, Chris, I've got them all here. Don't worry. But <laughs> <laughs> I probably will get stuck. So I, what I've tried to do is link everything through my website, which is um, www.coastwalker.com. And um, there's the social media links on there. There's Facebook, there's Instagram. That's new to me. I'm trying to learn how to use that as well as YouTube um, and Twitter, which has been really helpful, actually, Twitter. People are really kind on that. Um, so I've got those four. I'm doing these little YouTube videos every now and again, but I'm trying to keep them to sort of a minute or just over a minute because I've found, like, looking at various other YouTube videos that are half an hour about a tenth or a particular type of sock is just... You just so now, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm very aware that I'm not a YouTuber and they're not that interesting. But as I go, they'll build up and I'm going to start doing a diary entry every sort of couple of days um, and those lessons and things. I'm going to document those. How are you going to do the diary entry you're on the mobile phone or something like that? Are you going to tap away on that, are you? Yeah, so I've got, um, just got an iPhone 11, um, which is actually, it's a really good bit of kit. Um, but apart from that, I don't have any other electricity. I've got my GoPro camera. Uh, but I can't upload anything from my GoPro unless I do it via an iPad or mm-hmm. a laptop. It doesn't quite work because it doesn't synchronize as well if you do it by phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why that is. I think it's just that the phone software isn't supported by GoPro anymore or whatever. Um, but the GoPro is great for just filming those like um, fast action bits and the bit that I can condense that film footage. Um, and then what I'll do is every time I meet up with people, um, those sort of supply drops, we're going to switch the SD cards out and upload them to a laptop and stuff like that. Um, but it's all solar powered. I've got a solar panel that clips to the back of my bag, and I've got these power banks that I'll use during the day and then through the night. Um, I've got a buddy beacon system on my phone, which will update to a map on my website. But I've also put up a Google map just next to it that is linked to my Google Photos. Mm-hmm. So wherever I take a photo on the Google map, it will store it to that time and place. So it's a timeline of the photos around the coast. And I, I get free, I don't know, 15 gig of storage out of that or something. I don't know. Um, and I'm blogging as well as I go, just using my phone. Right. And yeah, I'm a builder by trade. So I've got these to work with, which are enormous. And uh, <laughs> I've always got, I'm always sending texts grammatically incorrect or that say something completely different to what they mean because my, my phones are so fat. But I'm hoping that I'll get more dexterous. Brilliant. And then, um, are we, how are we raising money? Are we? Are we? Um, what? What? What platform are you using to raise the money for children? So yeah, I'm using Just Giving, and that there is a button on the website right at the top to do that with. You can just click it, and it'll take you straight through to the Just Giving page. Um, there is also a little button which is really cool, and I've never used. Um, a lot of my rowing crew from the club and a lot of my friends said we'll, be, we'll donate to the charity whatever because it's an amazing thing you're doing. Really happy doing it and we want to give to that. But we want to support you as well. And how, how do we do that? And I sort of thought, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What, what do you mean? Because I was never aware of this 
thing before. And then one of them said, have you, have you used this buy me a coffee thing before? So they had no idea what that is. So they showed me and I thought, this is in- incredible. When I'd previously done things, uh, especially with the Atlantic, my wife was recounting a story the other day about how she remembers people turning up to the house with boxes of toffee crisp or Mars bars or pot noodles. And our living room, floor to ceiling, was just stacked with food supplies. Because things like buy me a coffee didn't exist. Not that that would have worked on the on the ocean. Mm-hmm. But if there was that fund or slush fund, we could have then put that towards something to help me along the way. And, and this is quite an amazing thing because it does mean on those days where I'm struggling either mentally or physically or I've, I've decided to omit a day's worth of food from my kit because it's just too heavy in order for me to get somewhere in time, um, it means I can have a proper meal in the evening or it means I can have something to drink that's warm you know, just and bring my morale back up. Mm-hmm. That's buy me a coffee and that's a link off your website and people can just donate a small yeah. amount which will go towards uh, keeping you up and running really, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Good. Is there anything else you want to add, Chris, before we finish off? Um, so the website is the key thing, really, isn't it? We need to all head along to the website, which is uh, thecoastwalker.com, and all the links were talked about to the live uh, live map and where the photos are embedded upon there. Um, and also there's this Buy Me A Coffee, which uh, gives you a little bit of slush fun that's a nice term it does it, yeah and, and, then, uh, and the, the other thing you can do on the website is just there's a, an email thing you know contact me or contact us or whatever like most websites that comes directly through to me uh, no one else will answer that uh, so if you want to talk to me or ask me a question about something or you want to offer me a bed or a shed or a barn or a patch of grass to stay on I'm incredibly grateful for anything like that so please do get in touch there mm-hmm fantastic brilliant so we'll all keep an eye on you I so said we've got newsletters and things we'll hopefully speak to you um, as you um, as you circle the country um, and, and hopefully we can get out and meet you on a section and uh, walk a little section with you and uh, talk and walk but we'll just we'll let you we'll let you get going under your own steam first we'll leave you well alone and then once you're settled into it uh, we'll jump on board and um, maybe yeah I'd love that that'd be really great and I'll see you up in Northumberland yeah we'll definitely Northumberland or even the west coast is where we're not far from Cumbria so as you come up the Cumbrian coast oh, and around yeah, there okay. we can scoot across there in two hours and do I'm just thinking that's that's one section we can do then when you come back through Northumberland we can do that section with you um, and then we can kind of Brilliant. get a couple of little pieces with you and um, see how you're getting on and uh, help you out in any way uh, yeah we'll give you a bed for a night as long as you come for a pint with us Chris <laughs> oh yeah, well I mean it's the best recovery drink, you know, full of carbs and more than a bit of sugar. So yeah, <laughs> I, I can do that. That's good. All long distance walks always like a nice fine ale, don't they? <laughs> <It is always laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they've well earned it. So thanks, Chris, for joining. So we'll keep an eye on you. We'll keep up to date with everything in the podcast. And uh, thanks very much for joining me on this month's GPS training podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. And finally, many thanks for listening up to this month's GPS training podcast. If there's anything you'd like us to cover in future podcasts, please do get in touch. Please do give us a call, especially if you're thinking about buying a new outdoor GPS unit. Please day two, do take a look at both our physical GPS training course, courses and also our webinars. Just go to our website, which is gpstraining.co.uk, and click on GPS training courses. Our courses are back online now, and with all the COVID-19 restrictions, we're limited to five people plus the trainer, but many of them got well, uh, fully booked, so thank you for every support on that. Please do tell your friends about the GPS Training Podcast and encourage them to subscribe on whichever platform they are listening to. And don't forget to leave us a snazzy review 
review and a five-star rating in iTunes or whatever platform you listen to your GPS training podcasts in. And many thanks, Chris, for joining me on this month's training podcast. From all us guys here from the podcast, the best of luck, Chris. And uh, we look forward to following your epic journey over the coming months. Cheers, Chris, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the GPS Training Podcast, the monthly podcast keeping you up to date with everything in the world of outdoor GPS navigation.